0: The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to connect the dots between food, Health and Agriculture, and Find Food Truth. And today it is a great privilege and honor to have Dr. Artemis Samopoulos. She is a physician, a nutrition researcher, a world-renowned author. She is the president of the Center for Genetics, Nutrition, and Health in Washington, D.C. She is one of the first researchers to discover the virtues of omega-3 fatty acids, and she is the author of several books on nutrition and omega-3 fatty acids, including the omega diet and the Mediterranean diets. Dr Samopoulos, welcome
1: it's a pleasure to be on your show well,
0: i have to say uh, in preparation for the interview i went through and i looked at several of your research articles and the piece that really fascinated me the most was this investigation of the way we were back in paleolithic times and how how our genetic code has changed very little And yet our diets have changed significantly. How have our diets changed?
1: Well, the diet has changed enormously and this change has taken place mostly the last 100 years. Human beings evolved on a diet that was balanced in the essential fatty acids, the omega 6 and omega 3. The diet was also very high in antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals. Also, it was very high in fiber because people ate a lot of fruits and vegetables. The reason the change took place is because of the agribusiness and modern agriculture changing animal feeds on the one hand, and at the same time, Change took place in terms of the composition of fruits and vegetables because of the chemical fertilizers, so by feeding animals grains instead of feeding animals grass and haze the way animals always did grazing, the composition of the meat, whether it is cattle or fish, or goats, change from being adequate in the essential fatty acids, both in terms of omega-6 and omega-3, in becoming completely depleted in the omega-3s and having only omega-6. And then in terms of the composition of fruits and vegetables, they contain less vitamins and minerals, particularly minerals, because by using chemical fertilizers we deplete the soil of minerals. And as you know, we only replete the soil with nitrogen, but the the chemicals that we use cut down on the amounts of um, minerals that one would have had in his or her diet prior to about a 100 years ago.
0: That is so fascinating because I'm also thinking of not only the fertilizers but some of the pesticides that are used on plants and how those pesticides then affect the microbial composition of the soil and those microbes are essential in getting those trace minerals up into the root and into the part of the crop that we eat.
1: That is correct and also by not rotating the the crops as they did in the past, where by using legumes, for example, you would fix the nitrogen so that from year to year, the composition of the plants will not change that much. By moving from that into the chemical fertilizers was another problem. Mm-hmm.
0: It's fascinating how everything ends up being connected with each other. Yes. You, know, you, you mentioned earlier omega-3s and omega-6 fatty acids, and I think we probably ought to take a few steps back and explain to our listeners what we're talking about in terms of fatty acids as a whole, but then those two particular fatty acids that we want to focus on.
1: Right. Uh, well, I think people are very familiar with saturated fat. Right. And uh, also, I think they're familiar with monounsaturated fat. But the fats that are very important to our health are the so-called essential fatty acids because the body cannot make them. For example, humans make saturated fat. They can make saturated fat from uh, carbohydrates, for example. And they can certainly make uh, monounsaturated oils. But... They cannot make the essential fatty acids, and there are two families, the omega-6 and the omega-3. Plants can make omega-6 as well as omega-3s. So we used to eat a lot of green leafy vegetables during evolution. Americans today, as you know, they eat very little green leafy vegetables. Right. And the green leafy vegetables are good sources of the omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids, but mostly are high in omega-3s, where eating grains gives you a lot of omega-6. What happened is the omega-6 fatty acids are in very high amounts in our diet. The ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 from our diet is about 16 to 1. Mm. And this happened because of the development of vegetable oils. Vegetable oils such as corn oil, safflower, sunflower, soybean oil, cotton seed are new oils in terms of the human dietary intake. And these seed oils are very high in omega-6. Just to give you an idea, corn oil, for example, has a ratio of 66 to 1 omega-6 to omega-3. Oh, my. And sunflower, which is very common all over the world, is about 77 to 1. That is one of the reasons why we have tremendous amount of omega-6 and smaller amounts of omega-3s. The omega-3s are found in green leafy vegetables, and they are found in flaxseed, rapeseed, or canola oil, And interestingly enough, all cultures, no matter where you go, they used to have good sources of omega-3s. For example, the Japanese and the Chinese, they got them from Perilla and Perilla oil. Mm. And in um, Central and South America, they got it from tsia. So that during uh, evolution and up to about 100, 150 years ago, we had a balanced omega-6 and omega-3s. but. When they switched to high amounts of vegetable oils, then we ended up with enormous imbalance, having too much omega-6 and too little omega-3. And also, as I mentioned earlier, grain-fed animals have nothing but omega-6. People eat very little fish. Mm -hmm. They used to eat more fish years ago, but after the pop said you don't need to have fish on Fridays, (laughs) The amount of fish in the diet really fell enormously. Yeah. Well, fish and fish oils are of course very good sources of omega three fatty acids.
0: I have to ask two questions. One is do you know what the ratio of omega six to omega three is for soybean oil?
1: In soybean oil is thirteen to one. Okay. Still very high. Right. Well yeah, the reason you don't really want to have a ratio that is above four to one. I see. And the best ratio is a balance, one-to-one one or two-to-one.
0: Okay, that's the best. So would that be the best ratio that we're striving for in our diets?
1: Right. Actually, if you were to use olive oil and canola, you know, half olive oil, half canola, you can bring that ratio down to a very good level. Olive oil does not have omega-3s, but is extremely low in omega-6. Mm. So olive oil is mostly monounsaturates. That's why it's a good oil, because it is low in omega-6. And if you combine it with canola, then canola has a ratio of 2 to 1, omega-6 to omega-3. So it becomes a very good combination of oils to use in cooking.
0: You know, unfortunately, most of the canola oil that is available in North America has been genetically modified. And earlier when we talked about some of the changes in our agriculture and how that affects the, the micronutrient or the trace mineral levels, because most of that canola is genetically modified, it's genetically modified, of course, to withstand pesticides. So I've always tried to buy organic canola oil because of that reason.
1: How, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, the, the reason I think they start modifying the canola oil is because they try to decrease the amount of omega-3s in order to have a longer shelf life, uh-huh. which really is something that it may help the industry but does not help the people. Right, right. So well, that I think if you can find and get the organic oil, that's the best way to go about it. Right. In the U.S., it's not labeled what is genetically modified or not, so that is a problem. That's right, and buying
0: the organic product is the consumer's best way of knowing that it does not contain genetically modified sources. You know, you raise a very interesting point about shelf life, and that really was the appeal of the trans fatty acids, which have just gotten a lot of bad press lately because of the negative effects in the body, but it was the trans fats that enabled that hydrogenation that enabled the food industry to keep products on the shelf longer without undergoing rancidity reactions.
1: Yeah, well, that that was a major mistake. Right. Definitely was a mistake.
0: Right. You know, when we talk about fatty acids and fats, it's so wonderful to have a conversation with you as a physician because from a dietitian's perspective, our first message to our clients was, of course, all fat is bad. And then we said, no, no, no. Saturated fat is bad, polyunsaturates are good, and now we're further teasing out within the whole polyunsaturated category. Wait a second, within the PUFAs, we've got omega-6s and we've got the omega-3s. And so we just continue to refine our dietary recommendations, don't we? Oh,
1: absolutely. I can tell you that 25 years ago, when we first did the, the work at the National Institute of Health, and pointed out that there are two different families of polyunsaturated fatty acids, the omega-6 and omega-3, most people were very surprised Mm. because they had never considered the biochemistry of the oils and what happens to it. Once it became very obvious that there are two different families that happen to be competing and antagonistic to each other, it's something that most people in the scientific community were not very eager to to accept because it was a new concept, the mm-hmm. concept of balance and the essentiality. So it has taken a long, long time. And remember, even today, FDA does not label or does not require to distinguish between omega-6 and omega-3s mm-hmm. despite all the evidence. Right. So this is something that there is another area that needs to be improved.
0: I totally agree with you. If you're just joining us, we are speaking with Dr. Artemis Samopoulos, who is a world renowned author and nutrition researcher. She has been the president of the Center for Genetics, Nutrition, and Health in Washington, D.C. She was also one of the first researchers to discover the virtues of omega 3 fatty acids. Dr. Samopoulos, I was so amazed in reading some of your research papers about how many diseases are related to this imbalance of omega-3s to omega-6s. For example, heart disease, diabetes, even looking at obesity and the development of obesity, breast cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, the bone mineral density, which leaves us vulnerable to osteoporosis, mental health, arthritis, eye health, it almost seems as if the omega 3 fatty acids are a magic bullet that we've been looking for.
1: It's more than that. Remember that the essential fatty acids, both the omega 6 and omega 3, are on every single cell membrane in the body. Wow. And by having a balance of the two, the cell membranes become much better functioning, they're much more pliable. The red cell membranes, they deliver a lot more oxygen. And both omega-6 and omega-3 influence cell-to-cell communication. But in order for the body to function physiologically, these two families of essential fatty acids, they need to be in balance. Mm -hmm. What happens today is by having a lot more omega-6 and omega-3 the diet becomes pro-inflammatory. Right. So that all the diseases we just mentioned are characterized by inflammation and particularly obesity. In between the clumps of the fat cells, there are white cells, which are inflammatory cells, which produce substances that increase inflammation. They're called cytokines. Mm-hmm. So that obesity in the adipose tissue They have abnormal metabolism, which influences the physiology of the human body. And that's why obesity is associated with so many other diseases, such as diabetes, increases the risk of heart disease, cancer, arthritis. And now we know that it is the inflammatory state in the human body, in the presence of a genetic predisposition, that leads to all these chronic diseases. And since genes are not destiny, it becomes very important to control the dietary components that interact with genes in order to have health and in order to manage later on those who have one of the chronic diseases, whether it is heart disease or or diabetes, or arthritis, or or high blood pressure. These are very, very important concepts. Mm -hmm. And once I think the the concept is well understood, people can take matters in their own hands and pay a lot more attention to, to their diet and the way they cook food, or they should be eating less meat and more fish, and they should cut down on all these vegetable oils that are so high in omega-6. So you need to aim to balance these two families of omega-6 and omega-3. And the only way to do it is to lower the omega-6 vegetable oils, to increase the omega-3s, cut down on meat, and increase the amount of fish. Now, when you mention cutting down on meat...
0: It's my understanding that the grass-fed meats are going to be a key element in helping people move towards a diet that is richer in omega-3 fatty acids, especially in light of our failing seafood industries. The BP incident, of course, in the Gulf did horrible things to Mm -hmm. the fish industry there. But there's also a big concern that, that we really are depleting our ocean sources of fish The fish farms, where the fish are fed grains of all things, then result in a different fatty acid composition in those farmed fish. And so there's been some discussion in nutrition and agriculture circles of making sure that we have more grass-fed meat and dairy products to help get that omega-3 level back up in some of the foods that have really drifted off to the omega-6 imbalance.
1: Yeah. Well, under ideal circumstances, of course animals should be grass-fed at the same time it becomes very difficult to maintain the high production of meat by being fed only grass but you can modify the the diet of the meat not only being grass-fed but giving grains that are high in omega-3s for example you can feed a cow flaxseed mm-hmm. along with whatever else you're going to give it. In fact, Tonyfield Palm has a project, the Green Cow Project, where the cow is, uh, or the cattle is fed uh, flaxseed along with other things, and that increases the amount of omega-3 fatty acids in the milk, and at the same time it cuts down on the methane production. Excellent. So here is a good example whereby modifying the animal feed to be much more consistent with evolution, you can have a better milk composition and cut down on the methane production.
0: Right, which contributes to global warming. I think there
1: are ways, and people are beginning to modify that. Uh, And also, don't forget the importance of omega-3 oils such as canola or rapeseed or perilla or chia or walnut oil Mm. or mustard oils as they have in India. So there are various ways to increase the omega-3 intake. Mm -hmm. The other thing you should remember is that the alpha-linolenic acid, which is the oil from terrestrial sources, you know, from plants and, and seeds, in the body, metabolizes to EPA and DHA, which are the the types of uh, omega-3s found in fish. And this metabolism is okay and much better when you lower the omega-6. Mm-hmm. The reason today it becomes very difficult to make EPA and DHA from alpha-linolenic acid is because there's too much linoleic, omega-6 in the diet, once you cut down the omega-6, then the body will make EPA and DHA from the omega-3 alpha-linolenic acid in the diet. So there are, you don't need to get it only from fish, and you don't need to worry only the grass-fed animals. If you lower the omega-6, the body metabolism changes and improves. So I am not worried that this cannot be done. I think it can be done, and and I think we're going to have sources of omega-3s from terrestrial sources as well as coming from animals as well as fish. Dr. Simopoulos, is there one
0: or two areas of disease that you think are most important in looking at this relationship?
1: Well, certainly coronary heart disease has been shown over and over again that when you have people who don't even have heart disease, healthy people, when they have balanced omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids like the people in Crete, for example, they have the lower risk for heart disease. And there are studies that very clearly show that once you have people with one episode of heart disease, you can cut down subsequent episodes by giving them two grams of EPA and DHA per day. The point that needs to be made is that we know enough today to definitely decrease the omega-6 and increase the omega-3s for the prevention of heart disease, for maintaining normal blood pressure, and certainly during pregnancy and lactation for the proper development of the brain, of the fetus, and um, of the infant, Mm -hmm. so that the the research and the data and the information available is exceptionally good. And I think people and, and physicians are recommending a lot of the things I'm just telling you right now. Mm -hmm. It's a very important, and
0: it's a topic that needs much more attention, I think, in the press. Can you tell me, do you pretty much recommend a dietary supplement of of omega-3 for the general public?
1: Yes. Uh, Let me tell you why I recommend it. Because you already have a public that has a a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3, 16 to 1. And in order to bring it down to -to one-to-one, it becomes very difficult in the current food supply and people eating out in restaurants to lower the omega-6 to the point where it's balanced. So you can overcome all that by taking a gram of omega-3 fatty acids in the form of fish oils of EPA and DHA. Excellent. At the same time, I tell people to change the oils and to not to use sunflower and sunflower, soybean, corn oil. All these oils that are high in omega six. To use oils such as olive oil and and canola combinations. organic canola, walnut, flaxseed. You can use uh, also flax seeds. You can. More or less, think of taking the flaxseeds and grind them and put them over cereal or over salads. This way you get a good amount of omega-3 fatty acids. That's excellent advice. I knew that our time would fly. This is such an
0: important topic. We've just really gotten a little tiny taste of it. But I want to give you a chance to let our listeners in on some piece of information briefly that you want to leave our listeners with. The best information? I'm sorry. Is there anything that I neglected to ask you that you would like to leave our listeners with? No,
1: I I think your your questions covered practically everything. I would like to tell people that uh, omega-3 fatty acids are very important during pregnancy and lactation. And that is why the recommendation is for pregnant and lactating women to... In addition to eating fish, to always take extra amount of DHA because this is very important for the proper growth of the brain as well as the maturation of the brain and vision of the infant.
0: That is excellent advice. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Samopoulos, for helping enlighten us about fatty acids in our diet today. And I encourage our listeners to talk to your physicians about this advice to see how a supplement or changing your diet will improve your health. And by all means, search online for Dr. Somopoulos' research. If you just plug in her name with omega-3s, you'll get a lot of the research you need to bring to your doctor to have a much more thorough discussion. Dr. Samopoulos, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. We've been speaking with Dr. Samopoulos, who is a world-round author and nutritional researcher. Known especially for her research in omega 3 fatty acids. I want to thank our listeners as well as Dr. Smopoulos and to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at Kaopian Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you for your research, Dr. Smopoulos.
1: You're very welcome.